Welcome to Checkmates Go, Season 2, Episode 16. I've had many roles in my time at Checkpoint. The one I had before I started doing Checkmates was in our Enterprise Security Architecture team. And in fact, I was one of the first architects on that team. Our mission was pretty simple. Support customer security strategy through open forum workshops and enterprise architectural best practices. And we've always wanted to provide our customers proper, correct, and impartial security advice. As a result of years of doing these security architecture workshops, we've come up with a framework called the Checkpoint Enterprise Security Framework. The framework allows any enterprise security team to develop a secure architecture using a formulated, accountable, and comprehensive process. J.P. Edwards is one of our global security architects, and I asked him how the process of an enterprise security architecture workshop evolved from what it was when I was doing it to what it is now. I kind of uh, picked up the sort of uh, the uh, the workshop baton, I guess, when 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 you kind of handed that over. <laughs> um, and really, you know, the, the the premise of the workshop is is to for, for Checkpoint to take a more sort of like consultancy approach to our engagement with customers. In order that um, you know we we can consult with them uh, and give them you know strategic direction, I guess, and to try and influence the longer term roadmaps of our customers. So the the what what became very apparent in our consultancy services was that there are there are a bunch of different architectural frameworks which are used by customers, and it was really to try and to take the best of those and to distill them into a version of a framework that, that would help us in our communication with our customers. Talking their language in a sense, right? Because they're using the frameworks as a way to uh, explain what they're doing and why and making sure they're following best practices. Absolutely. So, I mean, the framework is is, is used under a, no- a number of different guises, but it effectively gives us a, a, a sort of co- a version of a common language in which that we can, you know, we can discuss ideas and concepts and develop them. So there are a number of real, the key takeaways from from the frameworks as far as we could see them was this idea of traceability, i.e. having the ability to um, move from a business requirement into a technology choice. Um, that would be the accountability. And then traceability back from a technology choice up to a business decision. So we wanted to, to clarify that process to the degree that when we when we talked to our customers, we were able to very quickly and clearly articulate the justification for a specific decision. So instead of landing with our customers and and giving them a, a bunch of technology effectively and extolling the virtues of different platforms, the approach here was to drive things from a business process angle. So let's flip the flip the sort of the traditional sort of security vendor relationship whereby we would we would be um, discussing technology and technology updates and the different competences of the technology. And let's flip that round to actually dr- build the solutions based on on the actual business requirements and business drivers. With any of these, uh, it's I think it's good conversation to have with customers because because. People don't like technology for technology's sake. It solves a problem for them, and, and there's a business, set of business requirements around it. And and 
you know, sometimes, and, and I know this, is that you know, maybe like checkpoints technology may not be the right solution for a particular customer, right? So first of all, for us to understand that and say, okay, do we need to develop something? Or it may be that that's not something we're we're going to do. And so, okay, this is something you need to address, right? But we can be cons- consultative and say, hey, this is something that, uh, you know, this is why we suggest what we suggest. And and you can if you you could use us to do it or you could use some other control to do it um but uh this is something you need to think about and and so it's being able yeah it's being able to explain why we're suggesting the stuff that we're suggesting now what i'm curious about is what's unique in our uh approach in our framework versus maybe some other uh some of the other frameworks that are out there so you know maybe what's in common um you know what do they all have in common and what what special sauce do we add <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing is that that you know, as as consultants, you, you know, we are, you know, we we work for Checkpoint, um, and we're you know we're effectively we're we're talking a language around sort of Checkpoint, you know, products and capability in the t- in the sense of sort of network and cybersecurity related capability. So, you know, the customers that we're kind of engaged with, um, you know, want to sort of focus on that sort of specific part of their cybersecurity remit or puzzle or security posture. So in some way, that is kind of directing the conversation into, you know, those broad uh, uh, areas of, of network and cybersecurity. So we what we did is we wanted the framework to represent that type of conversation as opposed to taking, you know, a lot of the frameworks are very broad to the point that they will incorporate areas of security that Checkpoint has no real, um, you know, it, they don't concern us or they're not part of our sort of, you know, day-to-day conversations. So we wanted to talk about things that we kind of know about. So that was the, that was the, um, that was one of the first things, I guess, that, that made us slightly different. So we wanted to interpret, re- take all of the frameworks so and we kind of landed on on two which are SABSA and zero trust as a methodology and distill those down so that they talk to requirements in the kind of network and cybersecurity space um, and that they are and they are kind of business driven so it was very important that we 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 used a framework that was underpinned by a a translation from business requirement to technology choice so it wasn't an audit framework like a lot of the NIST stuff is. It was what what will allow us to capture business requirement, to listen to all the different people within a business, all the different stakeholders, and then from that, extrapolate a solution. And that's what we thought was the most effective. So we landed on SABSA as a kind of a process-driven, um, a process-driven framework based on business requirements and we and we landed on zero trust as a set of design principles in which to influence our what we what we call the design and build phase of the framework the other thing is that we also wanted a framework we wanted to create a framework that very easily described the workshop as a data gathering process and then some other work that happens behind the scenes whereby we would then think about the correct answer to the, the data set that we'd gathered. So the workshops are, are very much geared towards data gathering, collecting the right amount of information from the customer, and then from that being able to design and develop a solution. And I think it was important that we had that distinction. 
and it sounds like the might be using a slightly different framework and when the, from when I started doing it for sure. And I think, you know, we, I think we knew what we wanted to do, but we didn't have the, at the, you know, a few years ago, we, we, you know, it was, it was a work in progress and we, and we, and, and I remember, you know, what we tried to do was figure out, okay, how, how are customers addressing things in different areas um, of, of cybersecurity and, and, and what could be, uh, you know, what recommendations could we make? It's funny that, uh, we, you know, we think about zero trust as something new. It's not, it's just a new name for something that's existed for a long time, right? It's, it's, been, yeah. it's been one of these things. And I think, um, I, I find the zero trust framework to be very useful in the sense that it give, that it's, yeah, you don't, you, you can't really trust everything. Or trust anything, but you, or, you know you tr- you have to you have to make the decision to trust at a certain point, but you have to verify as much as you can, and yeah. So it's you know I I like to say that the the network the you know the middle of the network is we're lose I'd say in general we're losing control over that because people are you know you and I are sitting at our houses and recording this for example and yeah. uh, you know we're also we're also because of COVID nineteen working at home uh, a lot more and so the the, the the a lot of the traditional um, controls that are in place uh, that have been in place we've, we've now had to move those and so um, and zero trust gives you a way to think about that and say okay well what is it the what do I really need to protect and what's the right amount of protection. And, and yes. also, what will the business actually, uh, you know, what will, what will they tolerate in terms of uh, in, in terms of controls? And we were we were very keen to to use kind of z- to position zero trust as part of the, you know, it, it's part of the layered sort of source that we're adding to our data set. So we understand what the customer wants. We understand we, un- we do the sort of business process modeling. We understand what the business requirements are. But then, when we, we we sort of proxy that that decision through zero trust, in order that when the solutions are developed, they are designed along these kind of principles. And then we've kind of also used the infinite infinity architecture, for example. That's another one of the the design principles that we would use what to to, to develop the solutions. Yeah, and and. Although I'm still reminded of the Nir Naman framework, who, um, which I now can't remember the name of, um, I'll just SDP. I just remember that the acronym no software defined protection, right? Yes. But the basic framework that 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 was uh, highlighted as part of that was is no, I'd say it's basically zero trust, right? It's because that was the whole idea is you know understand what what needs to be protected, where it is, and uh, put the right controls around it. Exactly, and, and and actually, sort of SDP. Um, although we don't use the terminology in the framework, is you know part of that checkpoints um, apply applying of the of of our own design principles to this kind of solution. So let's take an example. For example, let's take an example. <laughs> uh, someone wants to move. They they the the business requirement is clear that um, they want to move to the cloud. But that means that me that the driver to move to the cloud is because actually they need to shut down all the data centers because there's a huge amount of cost and it's too risky and they can't get insurance, et cetera. So they're going to move stuff to the cloud. So we would capture that requirement as part of the initial business drivers or security drivers or business requirements. We would then go away and apply kind of zero trust methodology, SDP methodology, infinity design principles etc and and go back to the customer with a with a solution which is effectively accountable to this initial business driver and i think that really what we were trying to do was 
expand on things like SDP and expand on Infinity to to bring it into a a you know to to actually reflect the business part of the of the architectural process. You know, it's it's so important that when we talk to our customers that we're that at some level we're 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 talking directly to what the C-suite actually kind of what what they see as driving their business forward um, and how then is Checkpoint going to help them kind of articulate that and, and develop a solution from that. In, in a sense, the framework just gives us a kind of, uh, you know, a process by which to to be able to, to, to move these things, as I said, from a business to, a, to, a, to a, a solution. And it's almost how we do it in the middle is is kind of up to us. But if we can report back in such a way that there is a clear distinction and tie between solution and um requirement then i think we've done a good job yeah and i think that's yeah because again people don't buy or you know organizations don't buy technology for technology's sake they buy it to solve a problem and and if you can tie that back you can tie a solution back to a, you know, a problem uh that that or that you know or that or a mission that the, that the organization has right it's it's that's a, that's very valuable and, and sometimes i you know what i what i found when i was when i was doing this is sometimes organizations themselves had conflict in terms of what you know what di- what the different goals are uh, so and this is because yeah one one part of the organization might think um this is the this is the problem we're trying to solve and then you talk to the c-suite you get a different uh you get a different <laughs> version right so yeah and you know the frameworks uh whatever framework you use can't really solve that problem except to maybe as a uh as a way to sort of guide the conversation and say here is uh here's what the best practices suggest that you should be doing for for these things and the organization still has to come to a conclusion because you know it's like with it's like with anything right you can you can make the decision as a, as a business or as an, as an organization that hey this thing is yeah we understand it's a risk but um but what how how we're willing to accept that risk because it enables the business to do some other things that we think are more valuable absolutely and i mean the, the amount of times that actually you know Delivering on the C-suite's, um, you know, requirements are maybe contrary to, you know, what you might think of as, you know, security best practice or kind of, you know, the best to do in security because it's simply, you know, that the, it's slightly conflicted. I mean, does everyone need, you know, military grade bulletproof security at every point in the network, or is that actually going to be a more slight hindrance? And trying to make that balance and compromise is is very important which is why you know it's it must all be everything must be kind of justified and justification and traceability are kind of the 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 two kind of big pillars of the framework and just to answer sorry just to get back to your statement earlier around you know hearing from different people within the organization um you know another sort of slightly smaller part of the framework is this uh, is We've done it in a bunch of different layers, and each of those layers talks to a different part of the organization. Um, and so, again, trying to get a clear and concise kind of snapshot of all the stakeholders and all of their views and opinions is also very important. And frameworks are massively helpful in, 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 in articulating we need to hear from the business, but we also need to hear from the operations team, and we also need to hear from the service um, the service managers. Part of the challenge with any of this stuff is you can the business can say, "Hey, I want to implement X, whatever X is." Yeah, um, yeah. 
is the staff willing to accept that, not just the logic of it, but are they capable of actually implementing it, right? In, in terms of, you know, are they are they trained in the technology? Are they trained in the, um, you know, are, are they on board, right? And that's, and, you know, and can, you know, can they do it and were they willing to do it? Those are, those are two separate things. And, and I think it's, those are important things to actually be able to, uh, you know, as part of imp- implementing a plan. Cause it, and that's, you know, that's where we see a lot of technology transitions for whatever, whatever caused them. That's where we see a lot of them fail is it, is that the people are not, you know, they're either unwilling or unable to make that transition. And so, um, that causes, uh, that causes problems. And so you're, so the organization's not able to meet its goals because, uh, because yeah, they, they they're not able to execute. It's a very, very good point, actually. I mean, I, I've got a use case of a, um, a government entity that I was working with. Um, we were doing workshops. Um, there were clearly kind of gaps, et cetera, that, that needed addressing. But when we actually started developing the solution, it was very apparent that there was simply not the operational capability or capacity or even desire to, to implement, you know, a lot of, kind of uh you know a lot of a lot of really advanced sort of security stuff or 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 new capabilities because it 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 conflicted so much with you know their ways of working um it and and the actual desire within the operations team to actually implement a lot of kind of you know cutting edge security so that balance between what is security best practice and actually operationally achievable is very important and that only comes about from a really good understanding of what the customer needs what is all singing or dancing in the security space might not necessarily fit well with what the customer how their methodology their ways of working so i think it's always incumbent on us as architects to 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 be mindful of what what is possible not necessarily the art of the possible but what actually is possible have we learned so in doing these pr- workshops have you learned anything from a customer that maybe you kind of go oh i never thought of it that way and it actually you know it may not be best practice quote unquote but it makes sense and might actually be uh something that you know that maybe other customers could potentially implement or if you see it again you cut you may not you may not you may think uh differently about it uh, is there anything that's come up recently so like i i think i mean i think that we can we've probably all heard this one but i mean and this may be more about kind of ways of working. I mean, I'm customers that, for example, are not, you know, security, maybe security entities in, or network entities, or they, they have other, the, the business model is nothing to do with, with, with networks, telephony, security, et cetera. There, the, there seems to be a kind of a, a, this drive to, to maybe adopt technologies for, for reasons other than just you know it's 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 proper security so let me explain that a bit better um if i if i see the amount of organizations that would move wholeheartedly to to sassy for, for i mean for to 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 sas for all of their applications irrespective of of whether they're actually kind of necessarily fit for purpose they would go kind of off the shelf SaaS products for pretty much everything in order to to reduce their reliance on any on-premise architecture or any on-premise security requirements. Um, and I found that one quite interesting that, um, you know, an organization would literally be very happy to turn off their entire data center tomorrow and push everything into a SASE platform 
irrespective of whether that SaaS platform, sorry, not SaaS, SaaS platform, irrespective of whether that was necessarily met all of the business requirements. There's been a, there's been an awful lot of learning like that. The the um, I think it's it's interesting because it it might contradict a lot of what a you know as an as I remember as an engineer having conversations with customers, I'd be very I'd be much I'd be keen on trying to secure everything to the best of our capability, but actually trying to under trying to understand the compromises that that businesses are willing to make in order to meet goals that are outside of security. For example the massive amount of cost that's going to be reduced if I don't have a data center anymore. You know, that is a, is, is a huge benefit from a business point of view. Does that mean that I'm able to kind of think about my security in a completely different way? Am I prepared to actually, you know, outsource the whole thing to, to well, not outsource, but to move all of that compute capability or business requirement to um, software as a service? Thank you for listening to this episode of Checkmates Go. You can subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can also send us feedback via email at checkmates at checkpoint.com. Thanks for listening.